Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about different topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist, the passion for helping busy adults tone up, lose body fat, and feel good. Amazing. Okay, Brianna Stonelake, I am so excited to have you today. As a quick intro, you are a belief strategist and a therapist who has made the shift from therapy to coaching. You have 11 years of experience providing therapeutic services in various forms with an emphasis on trauma. I am beyond excited to dive into today's podcast. All right, I am too. So I feel like therapy episodes are always one of my favorites. And I think that it's because I am such a strong believer in hiring coaches, whether that is life coaches, personal coaches, or going the route of therapy, because I've been been in therapy for quite a long time. And it has like drastically helped so many things in my life between my anxiety, my depression, just personal things going on. And I'm just a huge believer that everybody should at least experience some sort of coaching or therapy. So like, how did you even get into this? It is a great question. I initially wanted to be like a journalist who was like going by the behind the scenes and war torn countries and like telling everybody what's going on. So it's, it's so funny to me, like how I even got here too. And it's, it's definitely not, it wasn't something I even imagined. It wasn't something I'd hoped for. It was interesting because it was was a natural skill set. It was a natural thing that I would constantly kind of end up in situations and scenarios where people would be asking my advice, like to the degree that I would have like, you know, decades long marriages asking me for advice at 18, 17, six. And it was very interesting. So it was kind of this always natural tendency and role that I consistently fell into, but I still had never like considered it or thought of it. And I got a degree in um, community psychology, which you can do nothing with, by the way. <laughs> I was going to do mass communications and then community psychology. And I was like, oh, shoot, if I'm going to do anything, I need a master's. And Honestly, even looking back, I didn't know anything about the field. I didn't really, I hadn't experienced therapy for myself at that point in time, which I desperately needed. And so I think there was also a part of just that internal piece being like, I just desperately know that I need somebody to hear me, somebody to give me a voice, help me to like process through some of these things that I didn't even realize that I needed to do. So it was just kind of this really looking back, like it was this really cool, like natural skill set slash internal desperate need for health that I didn't even know that I needed. And, and here I am 11 and a half years later. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's the biggest blessing is when we almost need something for ourselves and fall into that field. That's how I fell into fitness too. It was something I loved for myself. And we get so many people asking me like, Oh, well, how did you do X, Y, and Z? Or why do you do this? And so it's just something you just naturally fall into. Now, I'm particularly curious about what a belief strategist is. I don't know if I've ever heard that term or heard that term really described to me. So could you explain a little bit about what the difference may be between a therapist and a belief strategist is? Sure. So essentially, like the belief strategist is, you know, I mean, therapist, belief strategist, coaching, all of it kind of stems around mindset, right? And so 
doing therapy, I've done a lot of really intensive, deep trauma work, like a lot of therapy and going into like all the nooks and crannies of people's lives, which I love and really appreciate it and have learned so much from. But from that, I realized there's so many like there's specific lies that everybody really gets in their childhood or with throughout life or through negative experiences. And so the belief strategist is really like, okay, we're looking at our belief system. If our belief system has kind of a kink in the cord, we're going to really struggle because we see the world based on our experiences. We see the world based on our belief systems, If our such as if our belief system is I'm not actually worth loving, I'm not good enough. And somebody comes to me and is like, oh, we love you as a friend, as a family member, as a relationship, as as whatever. I'm going to be like, okay, well, what do you want from me? Because I'm not worth loving. And so that can't be true. Right. And so that would be like a negative belief system that I wouldn't I would actually be hindered, hindering myself from being able to move forward. So our beliefs are so significant in how we see our world, how we see ourselves, how we see others around us. And if we don't have those fully aligned with health and truth, we can easily like get on our own way. So the belief strategist part is really like helping people gain momentum towards the life that they want and actually like getting out of their own way to see hope and health and like their dreams is like fulfilled. Do you oftentimes see that your work in this particular area of belief strategy is particularly helpful to high achieving women? Because I know that I work with women that are really high achieving, but a lot of times, and especially in their health journeys or trying to, let's just say it's get in shape or quote unquote shape for them, they don't believe they're truly worthy of achieving what they want to achieve, whether that's financially, professionally, or in their health and fitness lives. Yes, definitely. So I work right now, I like I partner with a lot of high level leaders, achievers, CEOs, entrepreneurs, managers, VPs. I work with a lot of high level individuals who are going after things, who are seeing success in a lot of ways, but they're kind of hitting that ceiling in success. They're like, I don't know how to get to that next level. Or I'm seeing success in one area of my life, in my career, but I'm not seeing it in my health and fitness, or I'm not seeing it in my marriage, or my kids don't know me me or they resent me or yeah it's a safe place in my career but I go home and my house feels like a war zone and so really what I'm working with is like hey we have success in these areas but we want to balance that out so we have success in all areas and and ultimately it comes down to like what do we actually believe about ourselves what do we believe about our spouse our kids our relationship our friendships and what do we believe about ourselves that's that we're capable of or not capable of and so that's a huge part of high achieving women for sure Do you think there are some specific things like mantras or affirmations that can be helpful in trying to establish more positive beliefs in your life in general? I, I, I definitely love affirmations. I think they're powerful and impactful. I think there's a little bit of a a hindrance to people like, I'm just going to manifest this. And then they don't necessarily actually do the work that's in, in involved with it. So it's like, I'm going to manifest a mansion in my life and that's where I'm going to live, but I'm not actually taking the action steps to what that looks like to, you know, create a vision and a goal and to, in, in order to get there. So I love affirmations and I struggle with manifestations while they can be very hand in hand. Again, there's this level of like, if we are, you know, just speaking things out of 
like, yeah, I, this is what I want. This is what I desire. There's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know if it's going to be as effective as, okay, first I'm going to pinpoint my lie is I'm not worth loving or I'm not valuable. Or my mom told me I was stupid my whole life. So I really actually believe that I'm stupid. If we don't actually pinpoint that area that is a lie, it's hard for us to actually combat the truth. Otherwise, we're just kind of speaking words that sound nice, but maybe aren't necessarily hitting the area that we really need to in order to be really effective. So I love affirmations. I think they're really powerful. I do them, you know, and I, again, it's those things that we're, we want to hit those insecurities of like, okay, well, I, you know, one of my affirmations is because I really want to see effective results is I'm a chain breaking uh, coach. Like I actually help people gain momentum and transform their lives for the better and for the glory of God and for their lives to actually just be like blessed in every situation in their lives. Right. And so it's, again, it's kind of like, okay, what is the, what is the area that we're actually going? What do we want to see happen? What, how is this going to benefit not only me, but those around me? And so a lot of times those manifestations are like, it's just going to benefit me. I just want I just want a car and a house and a whatever. None of that is bad to have, right? None of that is bad to want. Great. Go after it. Awesome. Make a goal. Get it. Please do. But that affirmation piece is like, how does it going to benefit me? And how's it going to benefit those around me? Hey, if I really know that I'm worthwhile, or if I really have confidence in who I was made to be and what I skills and tools that I have, my husband will actually value me more because I'm going to value myself or my kids will actually, I can be a leader for them. I can pour into them and teach them instead of feeling insecure, like I'm not worth it or whatever that may be. And so again, coming to that space of like, okay, if we start with what is my biggest insecurity, whether it's in business or relationships or, you know, family life, one of my clients, she's a high level sales manager and, she was like, I'm, I'm only worth abusive, unhealthy relationships. I'm like, well, that's not true. That may be what your experience has taught you, unfortunately. But the reality is you are so incredible. You are so valuable and you are worth a healthy relationship, right? And so we were working on, okay, you can, you need to tell yourself that I'm worthwhile. I'm actually good enough for a healthy man. I am worth loving, healthily love. I'm worth healthy love. Right. And so now she's in this amazing relationship after working with me only for four months and he's healthy and he's kind and he has good boundaries and a good communication. And so she has to consistently be like, okay, I'm worth it. This is, I'm okay. This is okay. I don't have to go back to my chaotic past because that's comfortable, even though that's not what I want. And so creating this space for affirmations in areas that you want that you know, are essentially those woundings. So it's kind of like trying to heal the woundings with the affirmations, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned a couple of times in regards to when we're talking about these affirmations or creating these almost like focusing on our strengths, or that's really what I took out of that is focusing on the things that we're actually good at and that we can excel at that make us feel good. And I know on your site, um, there was something that I saw in regards to strength-based focus therapy. Like what exactly would that mean? Does that kind of tie into those affirmations or beliefs that we're speaking into ourselves? Um, so strength-based therapy is a type is it's a, a specific modality, but basically okay. it is you, you think of anybody and more often than not, people can pinpoint their faults to a T. You want me to list my list of faults? I will tell you, you want me to list my list of strengths? Oh, it's going to take me a minute. What am I actually good at? 
Right? What a positive thing, right? Because it's almost, unfortunately, our society has taught us to be more self-deprecating than mm-hmm. it has empowering. Oh, if you actually own what you're really good at, then you're prideful and arrogant. And while there's a balance, right? We don't want to be like, oh, look at me, I'm amazing and better than everybody. That That's pride and arrogance, right? <laughs> but space is like, okay, what are you good at? What What were you designed and created for? Right. I have so many friends who are incredible with numbers. I am not great with numbers. That is not my strength. Nope. Mm-mm. I can do it to a degree. Right. But I'm not going to be like, I'm amazing at numbers. This is, I'm going to excel in numbers because I know that I can do it to a degree, but I know that's also not how I'm wired. That's not my skill set. That's not my strength. My strength is I love people. I get, I'm able to see things in people, like people talk to me and I'm reading what they're not saying. And, and that's my strength. I love people. And so again, allowing space for you to actually embrace who you are, embrace the good things about you, not feel arrogant or prideful. And so a lot of my clients, again, they're like incredible humans. They're VPs, they're pro athletes. They're, they're doing really amazing things. And I'm like, okay, I need you to write a list of all the areas you're good at. And they're like, ah, I can't, I can't do that. I can tell you all the areas I missed. I, you know, I'm super busy. I missed this task or I didn't get this task done or I didn't talk to my employee as well as I wanted to or whatnot. But I'm like, no, I don't want to hear those. If we felt fo- like we become what we focus on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we focus on all the faults and failings in our lives. We get down on ourselves. We get anxious. We get depressed. We get frustrated. And so when we're actually focusing, okay, what am I doing? Well, I am not the same that I was yesterday. I'm not the same that I was a year ago. Remember how far we've come makes a thousand times of a difference. Like, okay, I have survived a hundred percent of the difficult things in my life. A hundred percent. It's not like, oh, I've survived 50% or I've overcome 20%. I have overcome and survived a hundred percent of the difficult things that life has thrown at me. That's pretty empowering. That's pretty like, motivating. Oh my gosh, I can actually do so much then. Okay. This task that I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Well, we're going to like eat the frog. We're going to do the really hard thing right in the right away in the morning. We're going to get that done because I have survived and I've overcome a hundred percent of the difficult things that I thought maybe would crush me in the time. And so that strength based is really focusing on like where you're at and realize how far you've come and owning all the skills and tools that you have that you are created with and being okay with there are areas that you're not good at that's okay that's not a bad thing I'm not sad that I'm not good with numbers I'm happy about it I pay people to do numbers and they love it and bless them that's great (laughs) yeah I am with you there no numbers over here but I think that's really interesting and I really like that perspective because you're right I think it's so challenging for people, myself included, to pick out the strengths or the things that we're good at. It's sort of like in an interview, you know, they always ask you like, what are some of your bad qualities? And you come up with things you're like, okay, they're bad, but not too bad. And they're like, what are some of your best qualities? And people have a really hard time coming Mm -hmm. up with those things, especially on the spot. Now, do you experience a correlation between people having a hard time finding strength in themselves and people having experienced some sort of trauma that is causing them to not be able to see those strengths in themselves or those two totally unrelated. 
I don't think it's totally unrelated. I think also there's a level of who hasn't experienced drama. <laughs> so there, there's this reality is like, I, I love to demystify drama. I also don't want to minimize some really intensive trauma. So the reality is there's, there's levels of trauma that we all deal with. But also the reality is it all matters. And so it could be as little as this two-year-old who reaches up for help and she gets her hand smacked by her parent. And she's like, oh. and then she internalizes the lie at two who has the reasoning of a child. Oh my gosh, I can never ask for help. It's hurtful if I do, right? What maybe the two-year-old doesn't know at that point in time is there was a hot stove and mom actually saved her from getting burnt, right? So that can actually be traumatic for the two-year-old who doesn't have this grasp of emotions or understanding in, in levels and ways, right? We have the two-year-old, the five-year-old, the seven-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 16-year-old who thinks they know everything and, and you know, the world is amazing, but their parent is ruining it because they want them to do the healthy things or whatever, right? And so again, as children, we reason with the mind of a child. And so with that becomes negative experiences comes lies that easily seek in, seep in, whether like, oh, I was bullied at school. And so all these kids tell me I'm stupid and ugly and not worthwhile, which is so real, unfortunately, these days. And so then they internalize it and then they only see themselves through the view of those bullies, terrible statements. Right. And so that's traumatic and devastating for that child. And, and so again, like not to diminish anybody's trauma or difficulties in life, because life is unfortunately very painful. It cannot, it's not easy, right? Well, also there are those really intensive traumatic moments of sexual abuse or physical abuse, or, you know, I've, I've heard a gamut of horrible, horrific horror movie type things that are real life. I don't do horror movies because I can put clients faces to that and it's not pleasant. And so again, like there's, there's this balance. And so not to diminish anybody's experiences, but realizing we all have negative experiences and being okay with the fact that, okay, this was a part of my life. Unfortunately, doesn't mean it was okay. Doesn't mean it's accepted. Doesn't mean I deserved it or it should have been allowed, but recognizing it and then be like, okay, what lies actually were created in me through this really horrific traumatic event or this traumatic event, this, this child had no understanding and that's how I internalized it, right? I mean, again, my sister, when I was, I don't know, maybe seven, told me that I was adopted and I didn't belong in the family. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a big yeah. sister. And I legitimately for years believed and was waiting for my mom to tell me that I was adopted and I wasn't a part of the family. And so I, I internalized this, I don't belong. I'm not in, I'm not where I needed to be, right? which is again, silly. My, I use it now and make fun of my sister and she, we all laugh about it because it's silly, right? As an adult, you're like, oh, that's dumb. And I realized standing in the mirror with my sisters, we're all like identical humans. And I'm like, oh, I'm not adopted. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was traumatic for my like little seven-year-old heart who was like devastated by this, right? Because I was always oh. expected to be told I'm, I don't belong here or whatever, right? Whereas my nephew is adopted. And from the get-go, my, my sister has been like, we are so blessed that we actually got to choose you. We chose you from the moment we've seen you. And so again, like adoption is beautiful. And the way I took inherit like took that in that moment was a lie, right? And so again, there's there's that correlation of we have negative life experiences that are painful 
and matter to each and every single one of us, whether it's like big trauma or it's like those little moments that stick with us. And more often than not, those little moments really do stick. And again, like I've worked with really intensive trauma. I've worked with, you know, other traumas that don't seem as intensive, but again, every part of it matters. And so paying attention to that and more often than not, those negative life experiences don't teach us to really own who we are and to really love who we are, the good and the bad. Like we get to love those negative parts of ourselves. Like it's it's a part of us. Like we can grow those we can heal those, but we also, we get to love not only the good side of ourselves, but also the bad side of ourselves that we don't really want to be there. Just like our husbands or the kids or whatnot. Like they're not always perfect, but we still love them. And more often than not, we don't internalize that for ourselves. Oh, I didn't do that well. I didn't show up well. I didn't wake up early enough. I didn't get all those tasks done. I must not be good enough. Or, oh my gosh, I'm look at me, I'm terrible. And it's before we even, most women, especially high achieving women, before their feet even hit the ground, they've told themselves at least five times how they failed. And they didn't even get out of bed yet. Yeah. Ugh, I earlier, I should have I worked out. Oh my gosh, I should have got that yesterday. I didn't get the kids meals done. Oh my gosh, I have these five meetings today. I should have prepared better. And then they end, end up shooting all over themselves and just reaping shame. And they didn't even step out of bed yet. Yeah. I found like for myself personally too, is not just letting those small moments, like you talked about those little things that maybe bothered us when we were younger to not minimize them as much as we do. I think as women, we are, everyone says like, oh, women are so powerful. We can do anything. And we sometimes forget to share the things that we find insignificant. And we don't like, although we don't actually find them insignificant, they may seem like smaller, trivial things, but they maybe are leading to a lot of our thought patterns or the actions we take. So for me personally, I was bullied very severely throughout school enough to transfer schools and then to be bullied all the way through college. And it, I never knew it was a traumatic experience for me until I started seeking therapy. And I was constantly seeing these tendencies of myself being fearful to succeed or to like, I developed really bad social anxiety and just all of these things that started to come up as an adult, as I started to become a high achiever, as I started to create these businesses, I realized that this was all stemming from this belief that people were going to reject me or people were going to make fun of me or people weren't going to like what I had to do or say. And it's a conscious effort every single day. And I joke like, that was over 10 years ago. And that started over 20 years ago. And it's something that's still in in my head today. And I have to work on very consciously. And so I think that it's important for women to share those things. And I, again, I preach therapy all the time because I think it's important to realize like where we maybe aren't as successful or maybe where our strengths aren't. And mine is not always communication because I have not been communicated well with. Right. And so that is a a barrier that I'm constantly facing and constantly trying to improve and work on so that I do have like good, healthy communication with the people around me, because I think that's extremely important. Yes. And I, and I think that's huge. Again, like normalizing the reality of like, 
life is painful, normalizing that, hey, this is a really devastating thing that I went through. Bullying is extremely devastating and so painful, just like emotional abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse or again, a neglect. I mean, all the things is like the reality is life has been hard and difficult. And so normalizing that we have all gone through some really hard things and they all matter and are important and being okay with like, that was a really hard and difficult part of my life. And my favorite thing to say is like, we can either allow these things to bury us or we can use them to stand on top of them and be able to see farther, give us new perspective and see greater things around us that we wouldn't have seen before. Absolutely. I completely agree. And like doing the actual work, which is the hardest part is so important because being able to see from an outsider's perspective, what was happening in those situations, I think it teaches you so much and it just teaches you how to handle different situations. Because like you said, life is messy and complicated. And a lot of times these things are going to like rear an ugly head at some point and come back. But to be able to now say, okay, I know how to handle this situation because I have stood on top of it and had that uh, bird's eye perspective. I can say, okay, I know how I would handle this. I know if I have children that I will know, hopefully how to handle that situation in a way that maybe will support them in a way that I wasn't able to be supported because I didn't share to, to the magnitude I needed to. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing is like, there's no shame in sharing what's going on. There's no shame in communicating the pain. Right. So yeah. we're, we're kind of taught to avoid pain at all costs, but pain brings purpose. Pain brings like PowerPoints, pain brings like so much strength and then being able to communicate that or share that is so huge. But yeah, unfortunately our society is like, no, we don't want to share all the areas that were difficult. It's like, no, those we all have them. It's okay. And normalizing the difficulties. Do you think that there is a misconception around the word trauma? Because again, when I was told by my therapist that my experiences were considered traumatic or trauma, one, Mm -hmm. it felt like a huge weight off my shoulders, but I also felt like, wow, like what a severe word to use for my non-severe traumatic experience. Right. So you didn't believe it was severe because yeah. you were like, matter, I'm not, you know, being beat up or I'm not being, yeah. but not. And again, those are horrific events, but again, not to diminish your experiences. And so that's like something for me is like, I would love to demystify trauma, right? Again, there's absolutely super intensive trauma, but the reality is life is traumatic. And I would love to say it's not, but it's just difficult. It's not easy. We are promised a hard life, unfortunately, but we're also promised hope in that life. There is hope beyond the pain. There is hope beyond the difficult things. There is hope and like growth beyond the abuse or the trauma that we experience. And so even demystifying the word trauma, because a lot of people hear trauma and they're instantly like, Oh no, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't abused. I'm good. My family life was great. And I'm like, awesome. I'm glad. But the reality is most families are not perfect. Okay, no, 100% of the families are not perfect, right? And everybody does the best that they can with the knowledge they have at the time. My parents were amazing humans, but they were imperfect. And we have these conversations now. And so I'm being like, my mom had seven kids and they had to work and they did everything possible. And my they were very loving and kind humans. There was never like any level of abuse from them. But also there was, there was moments where I'm like, I was the youngest of seven. I didn't actually know that I was valuable or worthwhile. And I always had, 
I picked up a really, you know, young lie that I have to please everybody around me in order for me to be like loved, mm-hmm. which again is silly. And how that even got picked up, not sure. But reality is even really good families are imperfect because there's no such thing as a perfect human. There's no such thing as a perfect family. So being okay with, first of all, like, yeah, you had a great childhood. That's awesome. It can be the both. And so I teach a lot of my VPs and entrepreneurs and CEOs and my pro athletes, like it can be both. And it can be both amazing, fabulous childhood or experiences or relationships and, and amazing events. And it can also be sad and hurtful. And I didn't fully know that I was loved or I didn't know that I was worthwhile or I didn't know that, you know, I was worth protecting or whatever it is. Right. So it can be the both. And it doesn't have to be because I had these lies creep in as a kid that I took and ran with and maybe was reiterated through different experiences. It doesn't mean my parents are terrible or my siblings are terrible or everything is awful. Right. And so it doesn't have to be, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. It can be like both like, Oh yeah, my parents are incredible humans and served and did incredible things. But there was also moments that they dropped the ball because they can't, you know, juggle a thousand balls. That's just impossible. Right. And so be the both and and I love the both and because a lot of the response of trauma very typical response of trauma is an all or nothing response either it's amazing or it's terrible right and so again like the response is like that's a traumatic response if we're like oh my gosh something happened it's awful it's over my marriage is over this is terrible and everything is all we got in this fight it's we're just done okay we're or maybe we need to cool off and maybe we need to take a break and maybe we need to come back and have healthier communication and we breathe a little bit and then we, and then say that was a really rough moment, but it doesn't have to be an ending moment. Right. And so it doesn't have to be the all or nothing, which is what a typical and normal trauma response is. Cause it's a protective mechanism. That just, I like, I'm smiling, but also internally just like giggling only because I know that's my exact response. It does not matter if it is a significant other or a friendship or whatever, if there is like any sort of confrontation and I am like a fairly confrontational person, but if there is a negative confrontation and there is an argument that ensues, I instantly am like, oh my gosh, this is over. And I just go to the automatic worst case scenario every single time somebody doesn't call me back on the phone instant worst case scenario my head goes down a million paths I'm like it's crazy and I always have to be like is this rational thinking is this emotional thinking like constantly checking in with myself because I know that down that like irrational path faster than a Ferrari like holy moly it's wild (laughs) and it's a because it's ultimately like triggering the vagal nerve your body has like stored memories right and so if you went through this bullying situation for years and years which is devastating and you're constantly having to protect yourself from rejection and pain and hurt you when you have a scenario that kind of triggers that similar feeling your body remembers that and you're no longer in like oh i'm in this place you're now in like i'm it's either like um it's not fight or flight it's like okay I, this is death or life it, that's as that's extreme as extreme as it feels internally because your body remembers that feeling either i'm dying or i'm not dying and and there's a trigger of confrontation it's negative like okay they reject me and and you feel this intense emotion 
related to like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. So I have to do everything possible in order to, to protect myself. And again, that is a normal and unfortunate response of trauma. But again, and it's something that can be healed and allow yourself space. Like, okay, no, this is my normal trauma response. And even knowing that is like, okay, this is, this is a normal response. Like that's a normal response to trauma because you had to protect yourself for so long. Your body remembers that feeling and it triggers that feeling. And you immediately go back to that space where that little girl constantly got made fun of and rejected and she's devastated. And so doing even like parts work where it's like, okay, no, I got to remind that little girl that she is worthwhile, that she is loved. And that even in this situation, even in these confrontations with husband, spouse, friends, family, whatever, I'm still worthwhile. And I, I choose me and they will choose me. And this is going to be okay. Yeah, that's great. And for anybody that has not ever experienced this, it sounds like people always ask me like, oh, what does that exactly feel like? And it's so hard to explain, but it literally feels like your stomach dropping out of your body and you are like starting to have a panic attack and you feel like you can't breathe. I'm like, I don't want to explain this to people, but it's so interesting. Like it'll even happen to me sometimes where like people will leave my workout classes and they will like step out of class. And I notice myself like, like trying to catch my breath. And I'm like, they didn't leave the class because of you. They didn't leave the class because of you. I'm like, who cares? Like, and I, I always have to like get back on track because it's such, it's such a weird, like instant response that a lot of times you don't feel like you have control over. Uh, So it's really interesting, but a lot of people that haven't experienced that always ask me like, Oh, what does anxiety feel like? I'm like, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. And that's what I would call a trigger. Right. And so it's like seeing somebody leave or seeing somebody like confront you or negative things like that's a trigger. And so it triggers your body to this automatic response that it had for years that protected you. And so again, it's, it's not even like you in the moment, it's you in the other past moments. Right. And so when we have a really intensive response to a like seemingly not difficult situation, when we're like, Oh my gosh, this is over. What is going on? Like, Hey, you just, broke a glass it's it's not a big deal we'll sweep it up and you're like no it's over and they're like whoa that was a really big response to a glass breaking it's fine we can you know and again so then that's your trigger to be like well that was a really big response okay where else have I felt this exact emotion because it's not only I'm not only responding to the event that's happening right in front of me I'm responding to all the other events that I haven't fully like gotten to heal that have felt the exact same way And so again, and and again, that's okay. Our body is incredible. Our minds are amazing and they're created to protect us. And so now we're in a place when we're safe and healthy and in a better space, we're like, I'm safe, I'm healthy, I'm okay. And so is seven-year-old me, five-year-old me, 13-year-old me, 21-year-old me, like we're okay. And again, that's normal response of trauma. And so working through being like, this is normal, this is okay. And as we're healing and growing, we like step swing from one end of the spectrum to the other and eventually come back right in the middle. Yeah, it is crazy. Our minds are so incredibly powerful and I don't always feel like we take advantage of the good sides of them. And sometimes we let that negative side of them really take over. And I absolutely resonate with that all or nothing. And I really try and coach my clients out of that all or nothing mindset and know that 
we do have the ability to have a growth mindset. We just have to unfortunately do the work to get to that point. But there is so much we can do. Imagine all of those negative things that your brain can tell you. They can tell you just as many positive things. You just have to work to get to that place, which is why it's so important to always seek that professional help because doing it on your own is not easy and sometimes not possible. Yes, yes. And it is our brains. Are, that's why I'm like, I love being able to people with your strengths base. Like remind yourself who you are, remind yourself how incredible you are. Remind yourself how far you've come. I have my own people that I've been working with for years. I don't do or ask people to do something I'm not willing to do. I think that's ridiculous. And yeah. so I've done work. I'm continually doing my own work. I have people that sometimes need to remind, Hey, excuse you. Hold on. Remember where you were. 10 years ago and remember where you are now. Like that's one of the most, I think that's one of the most powerful pieces. I am not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was and that's okay. And so again, being like, remind yourself how far you've come, how much you've done. And especially high achieving women, we so easily are like, oh no, I need to, I need to get to this next level. I need to, I'm missing this. Or we focus on the things we haven't done. We're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in the same place. But if we stop, we take a breath, I'm like, okay, but I'm not, I'm not actually where I was yesterday. I'm not actually where I was a year ago. I'm actually not where I was 10 years ago. And so even like giving ourselves that grace, which is a very difficult word for high achieving women, especially we, I love, we, grace is amazing and beautiful, but it's a lot easier to give everybody else than ourselves. And again, being like, I am not where I was 10 years ago. I'm not where I was five years ago. And so really like, that's one of the most powerful things is like, I am moving forward. I have done a lot of work. I am doing incredible things. I am so much better than I was. And I get to be proud of myself. I love that. You get to love yourself where you're at in every stage. Yes, definitely. I actually have the word grace tattooed on my side because it was something I really, really struggled with. And I never understood this concept of grace. And when I actually got baptized, I was like, oh my gosh, I finally got it. It like finally made sense to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it means. Like I actually get to give myself this grace and receive this like overwhelming amount of grace. And so it was really powerful. Um, And I think that word is not talked about enough in the context of caring about yourself. It's only really talked about in um, caring for other people. But I want to make a quick shift here. I know we wanted to talk a little bit about healthy communications and setting boundaries. And I think that this is particularly important when we are talking about high achieving women and being in this fitness realm, because boundaries is something I think is extremely important, obviously in every aspect of life, but something that I find, um, a lot of people don't have boundaries when it comes to their personal lives. And so that's something I would love to dive into and talk a little bit about. And so I kind of want to give you the floor to talk a little bit about what healthy communication and boundaries looks like in life and like how we can maybe establish that a little bit more to create maybe a more fruitful and fulfilling life for ourselves. Yes. I love boundaries mainly because I never had them. (laughs) So, Boundaries are beautiful. Like I say it all the time. They're so beautiful. They're so loving. And I first want people to know boundaries are actually extremely loving. 
most people are like founders. Oh, that's mean. It means I can't have people in or I'm not allowed to, you know, or I kick them out of my life or I'm just, it's mean. No, boundaries are actually so beautiful, so loving, so kind. And it is the sweetest thing that you can do for yourself and for your relationships around you. It actually cultivates health. It cultivates value. It shows people that they're valuable, but it also shows people that you're valuable. So my favorite scenario is like, okay, if I have a person who is one of my friends and they want to come over to my house and instead of using the door, they constantly take an ax to my wall and come in through their own, their own way. Well, most people in the world will be like, are you, are you crazy? Why did you use an ax on her wall? And why would you let them? Right. It's kind of a really obvious scenario that you'd be like, um, excuse you, this is not okay. You do not get to take an ax to my wall. Yeah. Or you're allowed to come in through the front door. That is basically what a healthy, beautiful boundary is. It says, do not take an ax to my wall and you are allowed to come in through this door. Sometimes the door is locked. Sometimes the door is not available. Sometimes like I'm not home, but when I'm home and when I'm available and when it's a healthy time, you are more than welcome to come through this door. I would love to see you come through the door, but you do not get to break through my window. You do not get to take an ax through my wall. You get to come through the door. And that's really what healthy boundaries are. And so as over the years, as I've learned them and as I've been teaching them and training them and helping people understand that literally just cultivates value for the people around you and for yourself. And so even one of my favorite things is I have a, one of my friends, we've been friends for gosh, I don't know, like 10 years. We've known each other for a really long time. And one of the first, like within the first couple of years, I, you know, I call people silly. I was like, Oh, you're so silly. That's like ridiculous. Like so silly. Oh my gosh. To me, that means I think you're funny or a goofball. Like that's a, like a, a kind word. I think that's kind. They have heard like, and I'm so glad they communicated this to me, but they were like, every time I hear you tell me I'm silly, I hear you telling me I'm stupid and I'm dumb and I'm not good enough. And I was like, Oh shoot. Wait, what? <laughs> so wow. that, and for them to tell me that was so valuable because I was like, if I'm consistently doing something that you hear that's triggering you, it's not my job or responsibility to manage your triggers. But I love that you communicated that because then I can work on that. My response was, hey, I it's a natural tendency for me to use the word silly and call you silly. So I will work very hard to remind myself not to do that. But what I need from you is if I slip and I don't and I don't pay attention because it's a natural thing for me, I need you to remind me. Not in a like, oh my gosh, freak out way, but I need you to say, hey, remember, I don't like the word silly. Oh, okay, absolutely, right? And so again, that's a healthy boundary and a healthy communication. I was not offended. I actually felt really valued and loved because I don't want to do something to a friend that I very much care for that is gonna cause them consistent pain, right? Now, if they're like, hey, I don't like being around women who dress you know, unless they're wearing, you know, things black from the top of their head to the bottom of their toes and they never say a word and they sit still and don't go out of their home. Well, okay. That's not healthy, right? Like that's not who I am. That's not how you are now trying to change my personality and who I, that's not a, not, that's not a boundary that's control. Right. And so again, there's a space of like healthy boundaries are 
hey, I need you to, when you, I'm fine joking with you, but I need you to not actually tear me down in joking. That's not funny to me. You don't get to call me names. You don't get to speak negatively to me. Like that's not, that's not funny to me. That's not entertaining and that's not okay. So that's a healthy boundary. And again, for me, I was in really unhealthy relationships for eight years where they used a lot of negative talk, right? So it was a little more on the emotional abusive side. And so I'm extra sensitive. I'm aware I'm extra sensitive to people who name call one. I don't know why anybody is okay with ever being name called. Right. But so I'm like very quick to be like, okay, no, I, um, so I had a, a loved one who was, I don't know, having a rough day or whatever. And they were yelling and ended up yelling at me. And I was like, mm -mm, that's not okay. One had nothing to do with any scenario. And I was like, Oh no, you just kind of portrayed your anger on me. And I was like, I, I didn't say anything in the moment because other people are around and I'm not going to like create this space. That's like drama space. But I, I had a conversation later. Hey, I just want you to know that will never happen again. I understand you had a really rough day. I understand there was a lot of things happening in that scenario, but I can tell you that's never going to happen again because nobody's allowed to talk to me that way. And they were like very hurt and very sad by that. And I was like, I love you enough to tell you that you do not ever get to talk to me like that again. If you, you know, I have no problems. If you need to freak out and yell and scream and sure you direct it at me now I have an issue, right? There's a, there's a healthy venting space. That's okay. That's allowed, but directing it at somebody, not okay. And that has never happened since we have a great, great relationship. We value each other, but I'm like, I, this is my hard line. You do not talk to me like that. I love you enough and I love me enough to know that that's okay. And so boundaries and healthy communication are a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it can be difficult to have the hard, brave conversations, right? And it, and it feels like confrontation. And I had one of my VPs, youngest VP, and she's like killing it. She's amazing, incredible. But there's a lot of like struggling dynamics with her mother and so even working through like having boundaries with her of like no you don't you don't get to call me every single day and ask if I died throughout the night because as soon as I wake up then that's that's a really intensive thing to respond to as soon as you wake up every single day did I die and now we're creating fear and we're allowing fear to be spoken into our life no not and I was like okay no no we're cutting that off instantly because we don't need to allow a space for fear to come in. We don't need to allow a space for negativity to come in in a random situation. And so I, I was like, this is how you communicate it. And you know, the mother wasn't really happy with it, didn't take it very well. And she communicated well. Again, how people respond is not your job. How you communicate is your job. I love that. I'm a huge believer in something that's really helped me through my personal communication journey with other people and setting boundaries is that I am not responsible for your feelings. What I'm yes. responsible for are the things that come out of my mouth yes. and my truth. And I cannot control how you feel about that. Um, obviously, I don't recommend being rude to people. You can still speak with kindness, but you can't control somebody's emotion or their response to something. If they don't like something right. you said, that's something that they need to figure out mm -hmm. on their own. And I think that when it comes to boundary setting in particular, I think that might be where people find, or at least I find a lot of the challenges. I don't want to offend people. And there's this fine line of creating a boundary by creating a boundary and being rude. 
Um, so something I've found, and maybe you can speak to your opinion on this, is that I feel statements or I believe statements are really yeah. powerful because that puts the control in you expressing how you feel about that situation. The other person yeah. might not see that, but saying, I feel, or when you do X, it yes. makes me feel like this. And yes. I don't want to feel like that. Right. Right. And communication is key. How you say it. So I work with a lot of couples and a lot of married couples. And I recently was working with um, a high level manager in, in his in his role. And there were some struggles with his marriage. <laughs> I enjoy it. I have a good time with my clients. We kind of joke. We just we laugh back and forth. And, and there's also really some intense moments. Right. And so even him being like, well, I just need to knock it off. And so I told her, knock it off. And I was like, how did that work out for you? <laughs> well, I don't know. She got mad at me. Okay. What would it look like if you said, hey, I feel really frustrated when I see this situation happening. And I would really appreciate if instead of this, that you communicated it this way. And literally he was like, huh? Yeah, that, that would have been so much better. I'm like, uh-huh. So it would have been, and again, like there's the spaces of, you know, working through different scenarios where he's working through, like he never had a voice growing up. It wasn't, it wasn't allowed. His opinion, his voice didn't matter. So now he doesn't share his opinion or, or voice because he's afraid his wife will have the same response that his mother did. Right. And so it's working through like, Hey, you are allowed to have a voice. You're allowed to have feelings. You're allowed to have a discussion. And when I'm meeting with her, we're discussing how to like manage her side of communication and you can only manage your side of communication but communicating like hey this is where i'm at i would love you know i feel really loved and valued when you you know give me a hug when i get home i i really love that i really enjoy that and i also want to be able to be there for you how can i support you more because this is what supports me and i i haven't felt that recently but i know that you would love to feel more supported and i would too so what does it look like for us to work together to actually support each other more, right? And, and using those I statements is huge because automatically the other person gets defensive and like, well, you did this and you didn't do that. And where were you when I needed that? Well, now we're in a fight. <laughs> now we're like, now we're coming with like our dupes up and we're causing like the level of defense. Again, not, the, not your job to manage other people's, how they reactions, but you can manage that by coming in with a healthy tone, well, if I'm coming in all gruff and like, Ugh, what what is wrong with everybody? I'm creating an environment of kind of more hostility. I'm creating an environment of defense and frustration instead of like, hey, I, I really feel alone. I would love if, you know, we could connect and I would love if I had some help and all these things. And so communication is so cute. So, 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 so key. And empathy is one of the things that I'm like, we need to teach people more about empathy. And it doesn't mean I agree with everything that you say. It doesn't mean I'm fully on board with this. It doesn't mean I'm committing to everything that's going on. Empathy says, I am allowing you space to be heard and seen. And so if you're saying like, I feel really alone. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm the only one managing the household and the kids. And I don't know where you are. Your best response is not to defend yourself. Your best response is to say, wow, that must feel really heavy and really hard and very lonely. It does. It feels so lonely and frustrating and I don't know what else to do. And I, I want you there, but I don't know where you're at. You're working all the time and it's frustrating. Gosh, that would, that would feel so hard to be alone in all these things and feel like I'm not there for you. How could I be there for you more? 
And then you just diffused the whole situation because empathy stepped in. You allowed them to be heard. You validated their feeling. Didn't necessarily agree with it or defend or have to commit to anything, right? Their feelings are valid. It doesn't mean they're necessarily true, but their feelings are valid. And so allowing that space to be empathy, to be heard, to be seen, to have a voice, and then being able to get that space of discussion. Yeah. And I think this communication is so important, especially for people like us who maybe are often uh, triggered by other people's communication toward us. It sounds like if you, uh, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a wildly sensitive person and one wrong word or one wrong tone. And it's a day I'm already having a tough day and I just lose it. So I know I am a very, very sensitive person towards things, but I think that as sensitive people, we also have to um, be mindful and intentional about the way we listen to people and the way we communicate our feelings, because it can be very easy to get upset when somebody says something to us and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's yeah. really effective communication either. And so it's a lot of just right. like checking yourself or for me, and this has happened as I've gotten older, but not responding to everything right away and especially text messages, which please don't have communication via text messages, like quite possibly the worst thing in my personal experience, um, right. step, having the opportunity to step away. And if it is a text message and that's how the communication is transpiring. Yeah. Almost just reading it, unreading it, setting it aside. And like they say, like wait 24 hours to respond. That has been a massive game changer because it's given me the opportunity with not only my personal communication, but with business. If a client says something to me or a client isn't happy with their service, I obviously mm -hmm. like defensive. Well, you didn't communicate this, 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 and this to me. Okay. Well, what can I do better? Because right. at the end of the day, I want us to all be happy, but I also want us to all feel like we're being valued. And right. so there needs to be a, a balance system in this communication. And so I think that it's nice to step away from things, take 24 hours to respond yeah. before you have that initial, like jump down people's throats. Right. And I, I think there's also this space of like, we don't have to take on every emotion or feeling that comes our way. And so even realizing like, likely you're a feeler as well. So I feel all these really intensive things, but that doesn't mean that's always ours. And it doesn't mean we always have to take it on because 90% of the time when somebody's upset or frustrating or having difficult things, I'm more, I'm like, this isn't about me. This is about you. Like if you need to like have a conversation, I'm more than happy to, but you know, more often than not, when somebody's really upset or things are going on, it it's more often about them. It's more often about their trigger, their internal lie. And so I don't like personalize it because I'm like, okay. Like if there's something I did that I can own and I will take responsibility for, absolutely, hands down, not opposed to that. But like more often it's about somebody else's hurts, their pains, their fears, their disconnects, and it has nothing to do with me. So I don't have to personalize it because I'm like, you know, if I have clients that don't meet with me anymore or don't want to meet with me, I'm like, it's not about me. I want what's best for them and what fits best for them. And I don't have to take that on. I'm the right person for the right person. I don't take on every client because I invest so much in my clients that I want to make sure it's a good fit. Or like if I'm, you know, working or around with friends and they're having difficult days, like I'm like, Oh, that's a bummer. Like I'm really, I'm, I can have empathy towards you, but I know it's not about me unless obviously there's something that I need to own and take responsibility for. But more often than not, 90% of the time, 
it's not about us. It's about the other person. And so again, it, it creates a space of compassion for them instead of being like having to defend or having to like, let that hit my internal core value of like, no, I'm actually valuable. I know who I am. I will, I, you know, if I say something wrong or I don't intend it. And so more often I know when I mess up. So I know that I need to be like, oh man, that was on, that was on me. I'm going to own that one. And otherwise I'm going to be like, well, this, I'm so sorry that that trigger came up and that's really difficult. And so I'm, I can have compassion and I can hear where you're at, but I don't have to take internalize that because it's not about me. Yeah. I'm learning that one every single day. Um, yeah, I, that's definitely one I experience where I, a lot of times take things very personally. I hate that kind of like connotation of quote unquote, taking it personally. Um, but I do, I, I, always think that somebody's emotion or if somebody's upset that it has something to do with me. And like you said, most of the time it has zero to do with me. And yeah. so I think it's again, important to step away and realize like not everything is maybe about you in that situation. And you can empathize with people um, to be a good communicator yeah. and healer for them, but you don't need to take yeah. on their, you don't need to take on other yeah. people's emotions. Yeah. That's, that's lofty. That's, that's a lofty feat. Yes, that's a lot to work. So again, being like, I'm not responsible for anybody else's emotions, but my own. Yes. That's enough work. <laughs> that is enough work, especially if you're a very emotional person like I am. We all have. So yeah, that's enough to focus on. Right. Well, Brianna, this has been absolutely amazing. Every time I speak to anybody in the therapy space, I'm like, wow, I feel like I just got my own personal session that just got filmed and recorded live for everybody. But no, it's really great. I think that you touched on so many important factors when it comes to trauma, when it comes to finding our strengths, when it comes to the communication aspect. And I think there are a lot of really great nuggets that listeners can take out of this episode. So I really appreciate you going into detail. Now, I always like to open the floor. If there is a place that people can find you, maybe they're interested in learning a little bit more about you or possibly um, working with you. So where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me on, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn. It's just my name, Brianna Stonelake, um, otherwise stonelakelife.com. Or they can even, you know, send me a text or call me at 480-382-7031. So happy to have people reach out and connect and, you know, help as much as I can. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. And I, I just think this was fabulous. So thank you so much. You're going to help a ton of people with this episode and for everybody listening, remember to be bold, to be confident and to be you.